Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Uh, Let's get right into the message today. We're on a series of talks called As It Is in Heaven. So if you've got your Bibles, let's get those out. Sermon notes are available in the YouVersion Bible app. Our vision here at the Rhodes Church is to connect people with Jesus from all roads of life. So we're praying that you will get connected with him this morning. We're so glad to have you with us, whether you're here for the first time or this is where you call home. It's an honor and privilege to worship Jesus with you. We get a little excited about the Bible here at the Rhodes Church. So when we open up our Bibles, don't be afraid. We get a little vocal. If you haven't noticed it yet in worship, we like to express our love for Jesus and his word. So come on, church family, let's get excited as we open our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. As it is in heaven, as it is in heaven. Don't forget, next week is the beginning. I'll be talking about probably during the message next week, we start our foundations class. It'll be next Sunday night. If you haven't registered for that, it's too late. (laughs) You missed your chance. We will do it again, and you can sign up for that uh, for next time, but we are already full. I think our total for... North City come in or somewhere around uh, 240, something, 242, something like that. Some, I don't remember how, yeah, four people are excited about that, so thank you for you four people over there. I'm, I'm just saying out of our, of our entire church, 240-some people have signed up for a foundations class. That's pretty impressive, so I'm excited about that. Mount Carmel, I think it's around 60-some, and uh, 65, and Carlinville, it's around 30 which percentages-wise, that's most of the Carlinville church. So that's incredible. <clears throat> They're all in. Have you found Matthew chapter 6? Let's pray before we start the word. Father, I just thank you that your word is life. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, that uh, we'll hear your voice clearly. We pray for our eyes, for our understanding to be open. We pray for every lie of the enemy to be exposed. We just bind his strategies right now in the heavenlies. And I thank you, Lord, for truth being free to to be communicated today, Lord Jesus. We pray that you be exalted, you be lifted up, and everybody be drawn close to you. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, start verse 9. We're going to be on a short leash today, just for the baptisms and everything, so I'm going to try and go through as quickly as I can. So listen faster than normal. (laughs) In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to stop right there. This is the verse that we've been launching on, verse 10. Your kingdom come. Jesus was teaching us how to pray. So I want to say this as the context for the rest of the message. Jesus is instructing his disciples how to pray. So how many knows if Jesus is telling them how to pray, he's telling them what his will is or what his desire is. So you don't have to question like this is some strange thing, some strange doctrine. This is just what Jesus said. This is what I want for you. This is what the Father in heaven wants for you. And he said, I want you to pray this way. I want you to pray that, God, your kingdom in heaven come, your will, your plans, your desires, your system, your way come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the thing we talked about in this series, that it was God's goal from the beginning for it to be on earth as it is in heaven. 
This was the biblical goal, that God was never trying to create a scenario where we're trying to escape this awful world. His goal from the beginning was for it to be on earth just like it is in heaven. It's important for us to understand that theologically. Now, most people that would be new, they're thinking, no, heaven is incredible. That's the goal. That's where we're supposed to be. But that wasn't the original intent of creation. His goal was for it to be on earth as it is in heaven. So if it's God's goal, then how many knows it needs to be our goal? If it's his goal, is it important for us to know his plan to accomplish his goal? Like if it's his goal for it to be on earth as it is in heaven, is it important for me to know that just in case I should be a part of that? And I think that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today is maybe you asking yourself, what is my role in God's plan to accomplish his goal? See how I did that? What is our role to accomplish God's pl- or goal through his plan, using his plan. I said it once right, then I couldn't do it again after that. <laughs> you can tell when it's not written down in my notes. If like it just comes, Holy Spirit, you say it one time and I'm out. So now let's look at it. Making, making the on earth as it is in heaven, mind you, is not about making the trees or the rivers or the mountains as much like heaven as it is about the people. When you think about the phrase on earth as it is in heaven, God's main priority is not making laws like it is in heaven. His main priority is making you and I like it is in heaven. People are always his focus in everything. You are always his priority. In Romans chapter 8 verse 29, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many, bre- many brethren. Notice what it says here in Romans chapter 8. Jesus predestined us, or fa- the Father predestined us to be conformed to the image of who? His Son, Jesus. What is the predetermined will for God for you and for me? To be conformed in the image of who? Jesus, His Son. Not to be conformed to be better than so-and-so. What's been adopted in our life is our goal has been watered down from being like Jesus. You realize the word Christian doesn't mean church attender. The word Christian means Christ-like. So who is our measuring stick? Who's our model? Who are we supposed to pattern our life after? After Jesus. So what's happened is we've been watered down with, we've adopted this phrase, well, nobody's perfect. So now our goal is not Jesus because that's just totally out of the question. My goal is just to be better than you. Because if I feel like I'm better than you, then surely I'm going to go to heaven because I'm not as bad as you. But that's not the way the Bible's written. The Bible's not for us to compare ourselves among ourselves. The measuring stick is to be like Jesus because as long as I have a measuring stick of someone else, I won't stay hungry to improve because the moment I feel like I'm better than you or not as bad as you, then I'm going to feel pretty good about myself and I'll put it on cruise. But if I realize my goal is to be like Jesus, how many knows we got a lot to work towards? I've got a full-time job. If my goal's really Jesus, I should always stay hungry to change. All right, so now let's look at how that works. 
God's agenda was heaven on earth. He sent Jesus to make it happen. Let's look at uh, Jesus' message when he came. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus showed up on the earth, he said, boom, the kingdom of heaven is here. I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven with me. So now, let's see, how did he change it? Go to 1 John chapter 3. I still have the screen on this week. For those of you who still wanted the scriptures on the screen, you're welcome. Mercy and grace has been extended to you this week. <laughs> First John chapter 3, but I do want you to bring your Bibles. We're bringing our Bibles back to church. It's sad that we're having to say that, but it's like we're bringing it back. Bring the Bible back. Somebody I said in the first service, if you bring the hymnals back, then I may not be on board with you. But I'm like, listen, <laughs> let's don't hate on the hymnal. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Some of you wish we had the hymnals out. So we diverse crowd, diverse, diverse crowd. 1 John 3, look at verse 8. says, he who sins is of the devil. So where does sin come from? Sin comes from the devil. He who sins is of the devil or is operating under the influence of the devil. That's what the Bible is saying. It's not saying if you sin, you are demonic or that you are the devil or you are a devil worshiper. It's saying whenever we sin, we are yielding to the influence of the devil. So he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose the Son of Man, or sorry, Son of God was manifested. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. The word manifested there means to make something fully known, to reveal, to clearly demonstrate something. So when it says, for this purpose, the Son of God was made clearly known, was made manifest, was revealed. How many knows it's important to pay attention to that? For this purpose, Jesus was made known on the earth. What was this purpose? What was this one big thing? He was manifested that he might do what? He might destroy the works of the destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, Jesus was made known, made clear, revealed to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Glad you asked. Here's the definition of the word works. It means something produced or accomplished through effort or activity. Something produced or accomplished through effort or activity. What does that tell me? It tells me that Satan is producing things through his work or activity. He's producing, he's accomplishing things through his work and through his activity. He's doing things that are producing results. And Jesus said, I come to destroy what he's producing. It does not say that there will not be works of the devil. There will be works of the devil. There will be things that he does that produces things. But Jesus said, I come to destroy what he produces. So in other words, Jesus says, I have an answer for everything he produces. I have something to say about whatever the results of his activity. Now someone say, wait a minute. Jesus has already destroyed the works of the devil. I understand where you're coming from. Yes and no. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, he took the keys of the kingdom of darkness and destroyed the works of the devil. He took the authority of the devil away. But is he still working? Obviously, in our world. 
Obviously, he's still working. So he stripped the authority of the devil away, but he's still allowed to work and operate and produce things, but he has no authority. That's key. Just because something's happening doesn't mean we should allow it to happen. Just because something's happening doesn't mean it's the will of God that it's happening. Let's look further. So Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven to destroy the things that are produced or accomplished through the activity of the devil and his kingdom. One reason I say devil and his kingdom is because I'm going to say most of us, if not all of us, have never interacted with the devil. You're like, what? The devil's been working on me all week. Not the devil. Maybe one of his minions. But the devil is not omnipresent. He's not God. He can't be here and on the other side of the world at the same time. He is a created being by God. He is limited. So now, who we're interacting with most of the time is demonic forces or his demons. He's only in one place at one time. And he's probably not, I'm probably not drawing his attention enough for him to personally come at me. So I've got room to grow. You're like, I don't want that kind of attention. I'm not necessarily saying I'm asking for it either, but I'm just saying he's not. It's important for us to understand theologically the devil is not like God. Some people make it out to be like there's God and the devil and they're the same level. No, no, a thousand times no. God is creator God over the entire universe. Satan was created by God and rebelled against him. He's limited in his power, limited in what he could do. He's a loser. Call him what he is. That's where he needs to be. So Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Then Jesus also made disciples. Now, let me ask this question. Did Jesus live his life according to the blueprint and the model of heaven? All right. Did he make his disciples according to that same blueprint or model? All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We'll try not to stay as long on this part as I did in the first service, but I want to I want to do a little teaching here. Yeah, little, little teaching. Matthew chapter 10, are you ready? I want you to listen with open ears. Some of the things that we talk about sometimes are challenging, but how many knows it may not be because the Bible itself, um, let's just read it, then we'll figure it out. Okay, let's go with that. Matthew 10. <laughs> And when he had called his 12 disciples, disciples, who's he calling them? That's Jesus. When he called his 12 disciples, what is a disciple? Remember, a disciple is not a church attender. I just want to clarify that. A disciple is not a church attender. Well, I go to church. That's great. It doesn't make you a disciple. I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just making it plain so we understand. I'm not a disciple because I sat in this room. That doesn't make me a disciple. What makes us a disciple, the word disciple means a learner, a pupil, one tutored, a closer relationship than mere information. So he calls those who are learners, who are being tutored by him, that are following him, they're in close relationship with him. They want to be like him. Those are disciples. Calls the disciples to them 
And he gave them what? He gave them power. That word power is the Greek word exousia, which actually means authority to rule, privilege, or force. He gave to his disciples power or authority over unclean spirits. What are unclean spirits? Those are just demonic forces, fallen angels, Satan's minions, if you will. Unclean spirits to do what to them? To cast them out. So he gave them the authority to cast them out. And he gave them the authority to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, if he gave them authority, for, let's set aside for a moment the issues we've all dealt with times where we've prayed for someone to be healed and it has not gone the way we wanted it to. Let's set that aside for a moment and just look at what the Bible is saying from this construct of understanding where things come from. Notice he said that he gave them authority over unclean spirits. Do unclean spirits come from God? No, because he told them to cast them out. And then he also gave them authority to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Does sickness and disease come from God? It's important for us to understand that. We have to get down to a basis. Well, maybe God gave me this to know. He says here in the Bible, whether we've seen it work in our life or not, we at least have to accept the truth of the fact, the foundation of where do things come from. If I think this sickness came from God, then I will not try and get past it. If I think this disease came from God, I will not ask him to take it away. And this is where some of the false teaching in the body of Christ comes, that everything comes from God. If everything came from Jesus, why did he tell them to heal sickness? Why did he tell them, give them authority over disease? He didn't give them authority over himself. Still laying a foundation. Go down to verse 7. This is his, these are his disciples. And as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received Freely give. Four things are mentioned. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Now here's what's hard in the, in the uh, Bible belt of churchianity. We talk about casting out demons, people think you're weird. Right? You talk about, I've had people that have criticized us. Uh, man, you guys just focus too much on healing and too much on encountering God and all that stuff. We, we, you don't need all that. You just got the Bible. Well, the only reason we talk about healing is because Jesus talked about healing. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, see Jesus walking around, what did he do when he found sick people? He healed them. So why do we talk about it? Because Jesus did. Is it the only thing to talk about? No. But should it be talked about? Yes. Because he sent out his disciples and he said, when you come into contact with sick people, I want you to have this thought process. That's not from me. At least start there. You're like, I don't know. I've tried to pray for people and, they, and it still didn't work. Welcome to the club. So have I. So it's not a condemnation for us to feel bad and feel like we're a failure. It's at least to lay the groundwork on where we're supposed to approach things and who they come from. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Who's talking about that in church? 
who say, hey, we got any dead people we need to raise? That's crazy talk, right? Cast out demons. I've lived in Southern Illinois a long time. Not a lot of people in church services are having demon casting out services. They don't even want to talk about it. Because they want to assume that no one has one. (laughs) Shocker. There's a lot of them right here. Not in our church. You're naive. Demonic influences all around us. Man, I don't want to get into teaching on demonology, but we need one. We need one in, in in the conservative church that thinks nothing is... Jesus was saying, cast out demons. Here's what, I'll stick with this. Stick with this. Stay on point. Four things to come in contact with. Sick, lepers, dead, demoniacs. What do you do? Jesus said, when you come into contact with them, I want you to change that situation. Change it. Well, I can't. Yes, you can. See verse 1. What was verse 1? Behold, I give you authority. I give you authority to do it. Well, I tried and it didn't work. That's okay. Try again. I tried. It didn't work. That's all right. Try again. You know how many times I've prayed for people to be delivered from demonic torment and it didn't work? Several times. But I still keep going because there's several times it has worked. So which one am I going to build my theology on? The times that it worked or the times it didn't work? I go with the times it worked. Because Jesus said I could do it. What if I don't do it every time? That's all right. Keep trying. The basis of what I want to understand as a disciple that I need to know when sickness comes, when demons come, when leprosy comes, it's not coming from God. Start there. Start there. Making disciples. So if Jesus told them to oppose these things or to change these things, then are those things his will? Stuff to think about. If Jesus told them to heal the sick, then was the sickness his will? Why would he tell them to change what was his will for that person? These are things that I think about. Maybe you don't think the way I do. I think about these things. If he's telling me to change something, then was it will, his will for it to be like that? His will was told to me in verse 1. And he said, here's, what, here's my will for you. When you find sick people, I want you to pray. I want you, I want you to heal them. When you find demonic people, I want you to cast out that demon. Well, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to be too aggressive. If I'm going to assume that most people are not going to feel bad if they're being tormented by demonic spirits and you cast that out. Most people are going to be, thank you. I'm thinking most people are not going, please, I want that back. People are wanting freedom in their life. They're just wanting somebody who can believe it's possible. Let me go one other place. Go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 20. Oh, man, hello. Um, yeah, we'll still go there. We'll still go there. Can I have 30 extra minutes? No response whatsoever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to take 30 extra minutes. Matthew chapter 28. I'm so excited about foundations class starting next week because of this 
verse passage right here. Verse 18, are you with me? And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on in heaven and on so all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on on earth. So in heaven, Jesus has all authority. Check, we know that. But did you know, did we know that he also has all authority on the earth? I know we read that, but here's what I'm saying. Why are we apologizing about the message of Jesus on the earth when he's got all authority on the earth? Christians are just backpedaling and apologizing, and I don't want to offend anyone, and we need to be quiet and not, and not, not to be too strong and too bold. And all the while we're doing that, the kingdom of darkness agenda, they have no problem being bold. They have no problem shouting what they want. Why does the church feel like we got to be, dee, 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 dee. I don't want to make anybody mad. Jesus has authority in the earth. This is his earth. Why are we giving it up to the devil? Why are we saying, well, but the church has just been so, I just want to get to heaven. I just want to get to heaven. Let the devil have the earth. Let the, no, this is Jesus' earth. He's looking for somebody who's going to possess it for him. Say, so, wait a minute. This earth belongs to my daddy. All authority has been given to me by my big brother. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to operate that his kingdom would come through me that on earth as it is in heaven. So when something is said or done that goes against the kingdom of heaven, we don't just go, oh, well, that's the earth. But someday, no, it's no, it's supposed to be on earth as it is in heaven. Speak up, declare, don't be mean, don't be hateful, but don't be quiet. Don't be timid. This is Jesus' earth, but the church has just been forfeiting it. And then what do we do? What do we do? Then we come in here to our church gatherings and we complain about how bad the evil world is. When Jesus said, it's your job to take it back. It's your job. Go therefore, look at verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them. This is why we're going to make a move to make, uh, to make disciples. Make disciples through our discipleship road, foundations class, Jesus material, spiritual gifts training, roads groups, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded. You know what the word observe means? That doesn't mean to watch. Teaching them to observe, that word observe means to obey, to conform one's actions or practice to. So we're teaching people not just to observe Christianity on Sundays and going about our way the rest of the week. It's to observe, it means to obey and to conform our actions and ideas towards the one that's discipling us. That's what it means to be a disciple. Last scripture, go to 2 Corinthians chapter five. I'll close here and we'll make it fast. Hear them pages turn. Second Corinthians chapter five. We've got to finish with this one because this is your launching pad for the week. You need this. You ready? Ready or not, here we go. Verse 18. Now all, verse 17 is really good too, but I don't have time to go back to that. Verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. I am not reconciled to God through my good works. 
I'm not reconciled to God because I got my life together and I'm behaving better. Stop trying to earn your way into the kingdom of heaven. I mean, times people say, Chad, I'll be in church. I just got to get my life together. You will never get your life together. It's only Jesus through Jesus Christ and has given us, okay, read this, has given us the what? The ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation, people have missed represented that phrase and they thought word of reconciliation is about a message of let's all get along. Let's all reconcile together. We everybody the word of reconciliation is that God was reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. That's the message of reconciliation. That there is one way to God and that's through Jesus. Be reconciled to God through Jesus. Here's the ministry of reconciliation. Not just God loves everyone. No, Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. You want to go to heaven? It's through Jesus. Well, I'm not cussing as much. I'm not sleeping around as much. That's wonderful. That's great. But it's still through Jesus. Ministry of reconciliation. Last part. Verse 20. Now... Help me, Jerry. Now then, we are ambassadors. Everybody say ambassadors. Ambassadors. Ambassadors, what's that mean? I was in role ambassadors as a kid. Ambassadors means authorized. I heard somebody just agree with me, role ambassadors. <laughs> authorized, representative. Come on, hear me. This definition is so important. Look at your name and say you're an ambassador. Authorized representative of one ruling authority into another. Authorized representative. We are, now let's read verse 20 with that mindset. Now then, we are authorized representatives of one ruling authority into the other for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. You and I, we are ambassadors for him. The problem is, too many times in religion, we begin to think that Christ is an ambassador for us. He doesn't work for us. We work for him. He's not just there to bless our life. He's there so that we will give our life for him. Ambassador for Christ means I represent him. He doesn't represent me. It's not about my dreams, my visions, what I'm going to accomplish. Lord, I just pray that you bless my life. No, I'm an ambassador for him. I lay my agenda, my dream, my wishes down, and I pick up his. And when I pick up his, I will find mine. Who loses his life for Christ will find it. Last part. And though, as though God were pleading through, come on. Mm. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading, next two words, through us. Let's try it again. For Christ as though God were pleading through, through us. I got to do it one more time. For Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God wants to change this earth to be like heaven, and he's using us. We're his ambassadors, and he's pleading through us. Your life is God pleading through you to other people be reconciled to Jesus. I don't want that responsibility. Too late. 
It's his method. You know how God, um, I can't use that example. Certain things come to my head and I'm like, yeah, I can't talk about that. But that'd be really good. But it's none of your business. So anyway, <laughs> that's a great example, but it's private. Let's make up another hypothetical situation. Let's say, let's say you're in a work environment that needs Jesus. Let's say you're in a family environment that needs Jesus. Are you praying for God to do something or are you letting God plead through you? It's easy for me to separate myself and say, God, you do it. Bunch of heathens. Lord, I just pray that I can make it through this hellish work day with all these devil people. God, thank you that I alone stand here to serve you. <laughs> right? Or you go to that family thing and maybe you're the only believer and you, you walk in there and maybe you're thinking all this stuff. Or I, I don't know what your scenario is. But sometimes we over-magnify like the difficulty instead of over-magnifying the answer to the solution. God is pleading through you. He's wanting to plead through you to tell people, be reconciled. Our life should be a billboard of walking around, be reconciled to God. Not even necessarily in words all the time, just in my actions, it should speak to them, be reconciled to God. That's what God's speaking to us. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.